This week, we begin in Dallas, where the police struggle for over five years to catch a serial rapist preying on the innocent women of the city. We then go west to Stanford, where a young girl walking through town seems to up and vanish, all the while her kidnapper and killer remain unknown. You're listening to episode 26 of Texas 1031. He's a fucking dick. Wait, Brennan? No, 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 no. I actually really enjoy Brennan's company. He's a nice guy. He's a good one. Very sweet. I don't know why I have a problem with him when he's not in my presence. Because <laughs> it's funny. It's super funny. It's, we need a villain. <laughs> and it can't be Gaia or Kane. Oh, no. Oh, baby. You, you, baby. This week, we wanted to start our episode off by memorializing and honoring and mentioning the victims of the Santa Fe High School shooting here in Santa Fe, Texas. Um, It's really important to talk about them and remember them and forget everyone else involved. All right, so we have Christopher Stone, 17, Jared Black, 17, Sabika Sheik, 17, Angelique Ramirez, 15. Christian Riley Garcia, 15. Shayna Fisher, 16. Kimberly Vaughn, 14. Aaron McClade, 15. Cynthia Tisdale and Glenda Ann Perkins were both faculty members. So, hey guys, welcome to Texas 1031. We are your hosts of this true crime Texas podcast, Cassie and Hannah. Thank you guys for listening and tuning into this episode. If y'all want to reach us, email us, visit our social media, just go to our website, which is texas1031podcast.com. No dashes, no spaces, no capitalizations or numbers, and you'll find all the links and things and stuff there. So yeah, welcome. Yay, welcome. You guys have no idea how many times it took us to record that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like three. Um, So welcome to our newest episode and it is my turn to go first this week, so we'll go ahead and get right in, if, unless you want to. Yeah. Um, I want to ask people to tell us oh, yeah, how yeah. slash if they liked the Survivor episode, because I really loved it, and I thought that was a great idea on Hannah's part, and she did really well. So give us your feedback. We've yeah. been reading your reviews and comments, and they're very nice, and we love you. So if you guys liked the condensed, more upbeat, happier version of my voice and texas crime then let us know and we're gonna probably keep doing it regardless but just uh to get an idea of how often you guys are really interested yeah okay so i chose a more popular case this week um i still think it's nothing too well known unless you probably lived in dallas during this time um my mom was the one who actually suggested this so we have like a listener suggestion um from like way back when i was like hey do you have anything you know and she was like yeah 
I remember this rapist and um, blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of happy that there was no murder in it. Actually, mm. no one dies. That is nice. Hey. Um, so nice. I, was, I was trying to, I almost did the prostitution ring in Houston. I was like, that's a lot to, read, lot yeah, to research. No. I was like, maybe I don't want to do a murdered person. And yeah. then I picked two. Terrible, yeah. Um, so yeah, my mom remembers this case because she was one of the people who actually lived in Dallas then. Um, so this is the case of the ski mask rapist in Dallas. So during the mid-1980s, several serial rapists terrorized the women of Dallas. I know. Jeez. So the city's per capita rape rate was three times the national average at the time. So there was the village rapist who was named for um, a group of Northeast Dallas apartment complexes he tended to target. And then there was the M Street rapist, which sounds silly, but there is like a group of streets that all begin with M's. It's, it's a real thing. Wow. Yeah. And he was only targeting those or yeah. just happenstance? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, it's uh, a <laughs> happenstance. <laughs> Bring it it's back. It's an area near Lowell, Lower Greenville Avenue. Um, okay. And then... There was the ski mask rapist who began targeting apartments near Upper Greenville, and in many of the rapes, he held guns to the victims' heads, mm-hmm. threatened to kill them if they didn't pretend to enjoy the attacks. Um, there's actually several ski mask rapists in the country, and one of them was actually in Louisiana, and I think he hit some towns in like West or East Texas. If you look it up, don't get confused. He actually seemed uh, more interesting, but I didn't want to, you know, veer off theme, if you will. So Louisiana doesn't count. according to the majority of the victims this is how the nightmare would usually unfold a woman was awakened from a sound sleep by a masked man who had thrust a gun uh, to her head and he would say don't make a noise or i will kill you the raspy voice would whisper those who resisted were punched in the face until they submitted sometimes the ordeal would last as long as two hours as the man would casually take his time, even interspersing the rape with nonchalant conversation. What the fuck? Yeah. Which, sidebar, it would give me or give any victim maybe like, okay, he's being cool with me. Maybe I could talk him out of it. And then right. he would just like flip back on. So it's like after so many times within two hours, you think all hope is lost. Oh, yeah. You think you're going to die. Right. This guy's psycho. <clears throat> it was determined that he was not an anger rapist who uses unnecessary brutal force during the assault even more certain was that he was not a sadistic rapist whose uh, sexual enjoyment involves tormenting or torturing his prey the ski mask rapist was what experts call a power reassurance rapist what is that this perpetrator only uses violence as a last resort preferring to keep the interaction with his victim as pleasant as possible I find that kind of weird because he was kind of beating them, mm-hmm. threatening them. Maybe that doesn't equate to like the dictionary term of or definition of violence. But what was your question? Well, then why rape them in the first place? Why not just get a sex worker? Because it's all about the power. I mean, yes, okay. but I think we go into okay his a little uh, more clear. methods. Yeah. Okay. So one woman even commented that he seemed to be quote uh, such a nice guy. Although he was friendly, he uh, constantly sought and rather almost demanded compliments and affirmations about his performance and his physical attributes. Like, such a guy thing to do, you know? Like, oh, yeah, Mr. Rapist. No. <laughs> um, one of the main investigators on the case was a guy named Marshall Touchton. He would be the one to develop a profile of sorts from just simply interviewing the victims. So I thought that was kind of cool instead of like bringing in 
heavy hitters to like break this all down. He literally just went and spoke with people. Um, so according to Touchton, the first thing that stood out about this man was that he uh, carefully selected his victims. Every one of them was tall, slender, and beautiful. According to him, most rapists at first put very little effort into choosing their targets, preferring instead to seize opportunities as they might present themselves. Mm-hmm. So they as detectives knew that the only way this rapist could choose women that were so remarkably similar in appearance was to painstakingly search them out and plan his attack. Once he had zeroed in on a target, as detectives would later discover, he would stalk the women to locate their home, then peek in her windows to learn her habits. So creepy. Like, I told her before we started recording about this guy who snuck into the... Snuck? Sneaked? Snuck. I don't think... I I think it's snuck. He entered illegally, <laughs> illegally entered her apartment and hid behind her refrigerator till she got home and then like beat and raped her. So like terrifying to think that someone's looking in your window. Like, yeah. no, no, no. It's where you're supposed to be safe. It's where you yeah. feel fucking safe. Behind your refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. To keep the good God snacks. It. It's not funny. It's not. No. In some cases, he broke into the women's apartment when they were uh, away so that he could get a feel for the layout and locate any possible firearms or valuables. <sighs> Um, Another piece of the puzzle was that during the commission of the crime, he often took time to search through the belongings of the victims, like once again, after he has already, you know, scoped out the house and he would steal their like high priced jewelry. So that was extra shitty. I don't understand the correlation between burglary and rape. I just don't understand how that bridge. Well, I I think that it's it's. I don't think it's that simple. I think that the urge of like being in control is always there. And Mm -hmm. that's just the next natural. I don't want to say next natural step for a guy. But if you're into that kind of thing, committing crimes in general of the burglary type, then like I've mentioned before, the next step up, you want that thrill. You want the next, you know, rush of adrenaline. And, you know, if someone's there, that's the next step. Because burglarizing, no one's there. And technically the power the complex and you're like i'm right. gonna take everything yeah. i can yeah okay that, so, yeah that makes sense it's just and that's not 100 <sighs> percent. don't quote me on it but read a book i don't know um hearsay that pattern coupled with his ability to gain entrance into homes stealthily and efficiently led officers to believe that he had had experience as a professional cat burglar as well mm-hmm. so this theory was further confirmed by his thorough removal of anything that could be used as evidence against him so remember this is uh, 85 i don't think i stated that but uh from beginning in 85 so dna not a thing Mm-mm. blood was a thing fingerprints were a thing but he wore a ski mask he wore gloves he covered himself up head to toe so no victims could identify him they could not give a description after his rapes were being put in the media he would later even taunt detectives for their inability to catch him so super prick yeah um this is gross in at least one case he left behind a baseball cap with the own police department's logo on it wow further aggravating officers and leaving them to wonder if you know it was one the of suspect was one of them yeah wow. exactly. so by april of 1987 the dallas police department had a file filled with two years of cases totaling at least 20 victims you'll like this i actually wrote a little comment about it at the very end <laughs> they finally had a break in the case when a local minister <laughs> who <laughs> i saw your eyebrow raise <laughs> That's what's so good. <laughs> Who also happened to be a reserve police officer, the gem, um, noted the license plate number of an unfamiliar car inexplicably sitting in the parking lot of his church in the middle of the night. Okay. Right. 
Good guy. So minutes later, he heard a report on his police scanner of a rape near his church. What the fuck? Yeah. That's lucky. I know, right? I'm like, so glad he was like vigilant. He immediately notified police of the strange car, giving them the license plate number. Uh, so police officers were soon after knocking at the apartment door of a man named Gilbert Escobedo. I think that's how you say it. Escobedo. Gilbert yep. has a micropenis. <laughs> Uh, at the time, he was living with his girlfriend and claimed he had been in bed with her all night. Although she had been sound asleep, she confirmed his alibi. <laughs> the police knew he was lying mm-hmm. um, about his whereabouts, but lacking any positive evidence linking him to the crime, only the license plate, there was nothing they could do. So they literally kind of just went after him based on the license plate. So they had and, no warrant. They had right, and they okay. were like, "Okay, there was a rape nearby, and this car was weird." And so that's kind of risky trying it to is. accuse someone of that, you know? It is. Ugh, yeah, I felt like they, but they get some more shit. So okay, that's good. Um, it came as no surprise to detectives when they ran his criminal record and discovered he had a long rap sheet of criminal activity, including indecent exposure. Oh so gross window peeping and three burglary convictions so not excessive but not great at the same time it's, right it's not good literally is an escalation. whipping your dick out yeah. in front of people no like all three of those things combined turn it's, into what he's done absolutely so yeah it's fine um so those are all really good precursors to assault and rape basically mm-hmm. just like we were saying so touchton and his colleagues finally believed that they had the real rapist but without catching him in the act, there was no way to prove his guilt, let alone all of the rapes of the other victims, um, because DNA wasn't around yet. Um, this would become all too real in the madding months ahead as, the, uh, as victim after victim continued to fall prey for Gilbert's rapes and beatings. So they knew this guy was still, he didn't stop. Oh. No. He had been interviewed. He knew that they were onto him for whatever reason. He, Regardless if he thought that they knew about his rapes. Wow. He still just was like, meh. I'm way too smart. Yeah. He was wow. very narcissistic, narcissistic and like up his own ass. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Like you would think at least like a six month span of like laying mm. low. I mean, it was over five years, but still, still. to not stop. Like. Yeah. Over five years, uh, I don't know, I guess DNA science, even when it did come about, people were still skeptical. But, but I mean, he didn't know if they were, if he was going to slip up. What if he did leave a fingerprint? What if he left anything? What if someone caught a glimpse or yeah, whatever? that fucking right. cocky. Did he switch his license plate on his car? Did he get a new car? Like, did he just stop taking his car? Right. You know? How, what about his girlfriend? What yeah. do you think his girlfriend would be like, shorten that leash right, right, right. a little? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Um. So yeah, when you're that prideful and so... You're in, you feel like you're invincible. You're never going to get oh, yeah. caught, you know, and Definitely. you don't care. Um, so I like that this post added this in. So they knew from scientific studies that convicting this man of rape was a long shot. Most rapes aren't even reported. Some estimates uh, being as low as one out of every six. And when police are called, only 38% result in an arrest. And most of those who are arrested are not convicted. Like I said, the rapes kept occurring. But on April 24th, 1990, a terrified college student called the police to report a man attempting to break into her apartment. Police were quick to respond and finally caught Gilbert outside the sliding door in the back of her apartment. Um, He was arrested and hauled off to the police station for questioning. All they could hope to pin on him was this charge of attempted burglary. So at least to keep him off the streets Mm -hmm. and like bide his time and like wait it out and see if they can get more information from him. Um, But they obviously wanted much more. They desperately wanted to nail him on the entire series of crimes they knew he he had committed. Trouble was that none of the victims could identify him. 
He had left no physical evidence to connect him to any of the crime scenes, like I said before. So their only hope of convicting Gilbert was for him to voluntarily confess to his rapes. So there was, however, something they did have to their advantage. So criminologists had just begun collecting DNA samples at crime scenes to identify suspects with pinpoint accuracy. So we've mentioned this so many times of when it was developed, but when it started being put into forensics and the criminal justice system, you know, it took a minute. But I guess at this point, they had their shit together. So they counted on the fact that Gilbert had heard about this breakthrough in forensic science, seeing as how he was so worried about his physical evidence being exposed or found. Um, the investigators decided that they would employ a two-pronged attack. I did not write that. The article did. <laughs> they began by telling Gilbert that they had DNA samples left behind at a number of his crime scenes to try and scare him into confessing you know the old trick like oldest trick in the book it definitely got his attention mm, so good. he's an mm, idiot then he's stupid wow how so oh because he gave himself away essentially yes. by like getting yeah, infuriated absolutely yeah. if he was really as smart as he portrayed himself yeah. to be he would have held out because he i mean he had five years under Which his belt like, kind of just shows that maybe he's not a total psychopath but he's just a narcissist yeah you know he yeah. couldn't keep his shit together yep uh, regardless, either way, it's bad. So then, in an odd turn of events, one of the detectives, <laughs> who happened to be a Christian, approached the suspect. This will all tie in together, I promise. Okay. Approached the suspect as a, quote, uh, a brother in the Lord, appealing to his conscience. Quote, Gilbert, aren't you tired of carrying this guilt around? Wouldn't it be better to confess to what you have done and make things right with God? The plan worked. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> Gilbert admitted that he was the man that they had sought after for five long years. He wrote a confession that he prefaced by saying, quote, after talking to the detectives, I voluntarily want to clean up my business since I am a Christian and I do have a conscience. During subsequent interrogations, Gilbert Escobedo, then 38 and the co-owner of an automobile detail shop, admitted to anywhere from 30 to 48 rapes. Jeez. Each article kind of differs, so that's why I included everything. Um, but police were certain that the number could easily have been as many as 100. Oh, God. Since, like I stated before, most rapes go unreported. Um, the attacks had begun shortly after. <laughs> best part of the whole fucking thing. The attacks began shortly after he was released from a Texas prison after a burglary conviction. What? Parole? People violate their parole and do terrible things? I've never heard of it. Huh. You, well, you would think the counseling he got in prison. Oh, oh wait. wait. Yeah. Among those he confessed to raping was 19-year-old, uh, a 19-year-old girl. None of the victims are named um, good. because it's still, I think they, never mind. No, they shouldn't be named. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's um, good. A 19-year-old girl who was babysitting a toddler one afternoon. Afternoon. Also oh, my God. Terrible. And there was a baby in the house. Which means, like, I'm only assuming either it was a sibling or a hired babysitter that came every day because he had to stalk it out and, and mm -hmm. scope everything and know, all right. The lady leaves. I like the babysitter. And I know she's there from this time to this time. Like, that's gross to involve a child. Fucking creep. She was a child. You know she I mean? was a child. You know, Absolutely. And a 41-year-old woman whom he attacked as she got out of the shower one morning. Uh, Super morning. petrifying. Yeah. Oh, so he's not. He's doing these yeah. broad daylight as well. Which is kind of smart, I guess. Because, you know, at the time-ish men were kind of the breadwinners so they were off at work yep not to sound sexist but no I guess, no that, that you know is I mean? yeah that was a, a very <laughs> so, atypical mean, thing you think the husbands are gone kids and are of off course at school. he's gonna pick those people that mm -hmm. that falls into yeah um i don't know why they decided to give more details on those victims specifically but regardless i think it showed how his method was 
also, you know, very specific, but it was a bit all over the place because mm-hmm. he didn't really pick a certain age range. Like, yeah, he said that the detective said, detective said that they were all beautiful and tall, you know, whatever. But um, age wasn't a thing. You know, it, it wasn't about the kid was there. They could have had dogs that who knows. Yeah. He was methodical, but also a little um, unorganized at the same time. So it would come to light. This is where it all ties in that Gilbert was a church going man and very religious he attended Prestonwood Baptist Church. I've been to that church, okay? So really crazy. creepy. And I don't think it's the same one because the one that I went to was built way later. But regardless, mm. I think it was, you know, an add-on. But uh, that's also where he found and stalked some of his victims. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. That's why the whole guilt of God tactic most likely worked. I, can't, I cannot believe that worked. Like, I know he's not a sexual sadist, but... It's yeah. pretty fucking sadistic. You're raping women, so, and you're still God fearing Christian. Um, what the fuck is that religion? Well, I'm sorry, you can I cut mean, that out if you no, want. No, no, no. I'm I'm surprised that's that shocking to you, since we all know that organized religion is Satan. Well, itself. no, nothing. <laughs> it's it has so much sexual deviancy. I don't even want to say deviancy. It has. It's a cop-out. It's a hypocrite. They're yeah. so against this thing, you know, don't have sex with men. Men don't have sex with men. Don't mm-hmm. be a pedophile. And it's like, how many accounts have we heard of ministers and major organizations, mm-hmm. Catholicism? Like, I can go on. Like, I think it's almost an extra power trip for them to be like, I'm living this vastly double life. And like, in the eyes of the Lord, I'm just this great. And then like, they think it's I have this God devil on my shoulder. Ew. I don't think that he thought that God wanted him to rape people. I think that this was a very uh, deep-seated other side to him. Yeah. But he couldn't help himself when he's surrounded by all these, you know, beautiful, nice, sweet women. And he took advantage of that. So Yeah. That's just, it, that it's, it's not crazy to me that he found his victims at church. It's, it's crazy to me that that level of yeah. manipulation by the police worked. Like, that's just Yeah. And I, and I wonder if they... They uh, kind of did more reconnaissance on him. I'm sure they did. And found out, okay, this is where he goes. This is where he goes to church. Mm-hmm. And this is his, you know, his that habits and things like that. So smart on yeah, their part. Yeah, definitely. Good police work in this case. Um, he would also confess to the dozens of burglaries that he was suspected of, uh, that were suspected to be done by him as well. So wow. those didn't just go away, luckily. That's good. So his trial... <laughs> Please don't tell me bad things happen. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not great. Okay, All it, right. it's it's fine ish. Mm. It's so, better than what we've talked about before. Well, I mean, it's just rape, so right, right, of course right. he's not going to get just the death a woman. sentence. What is she? She doesn't exist. It's just her body yeah, and her yeah. self worth and her yeah whatever. During his capture in 1990, the DA would offer up. Guess what? No. Okay. A plea agreement. But he had already confessed. Why? Um, I'm assuming I don't know. Um. I think it was because it was there were so many over so many years and there wasn't always proof on everything. And so they were kind of just trying to wrap it up in a nice little package and send it off instead of having to go to trial for each victim, which is terrible. But I understand. I Yeah. Just to get him off the sh- Hopefully he stayed off the streets. OK, to get him off the streets. I can understand. Yeah. So, because he could recant and there could be a whole different bullshit. And it would have I mean? ah, cost millions mm, of dollars. Oh, so much okay, money. so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Plea agreement that would allow him to serve all the life terms at once. So he was sentenced to 10 life terms. Okay. So, great. But he would be eligible for parole in 20 years. Mm. 20 years later, that time had come. 
In October of that year, victims of Gilbert Escobedo received letters from the state with the chilling news. During the coming four to six months, the letters said that the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles would decide whether or not to release him. There was no set date uh, for the completion of that review. So in the meantime, he did become eligible for parole on April 20th. A lot of Aprils with this guy. (laughs) April 25th, 2010, while the board was reviewing the responses the victims submitted to see. They had to relive it 20 years later. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. It's great. I mean, I get it. It's terrible that you do have to relive it, but I'd rather have to relive it than wake up one day and see my rapist walking down the street and have no idea and had no say in That's what happened to him. You know? That is true. Quote, I just fell apart. I just couldn't deal with it, said one North Texas woman who mm-hmm. got the letter. I just got all nervous and upset. I had headaches. I couldn't sleep. I've not been very well. It seems unlikely that such a diabolical criminal could be released the first time he's eligible for parole, but there are no guarantees. She's right. Like, to them, them being raped might, to personally to them, have warranted the death sentence. And then when mm. he gets 10 life sentences that can be served in a matter of 20 years, mm-hmm. like, that just had to feel like such a devastating blow, and It's just you know? like, why even give hope like that? You I know. know. And maybe they do it for a reason, because it could actually happen, but with appeals and different, you know, circumstantial whatever, they put those heavy sentences on because... At the end of the day, at least they did that because it could get reduced. And so they're just yes. trying to cover their bases. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But it just looks like so dramatic when you're like 10 life sentences. And it's like, but you could get out in 20 years. It's like, well, fuck off then. Why, Why just don't even try? Why is thing? Yeah. But I get it at the same time. <clears throat> yeah, because we have to think about the people that maybe are innocent or maybe don't yeah. deserve such a harsh punishment. Right. Or Yeah. So it's the justice system can't be all across the board. I loved this super reassuring statement. <laughs> There's just not a way that we can give you any kind of odds to tell you whether he's likely or unlikely to be approved, said Gene Stewart, assistant deputy director of the Victim Services Division of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Mm. So, Gene, I'm not sure if you're a man or a woman, but I doubt, don't doubt that your job is terribly hard, but that's not a very super nice statement. You're looking at 30 to 100 plus but I mean, what is he sp- or she, she he's supposed to say i don't know nothing maybe um another quote i don't need this i thought that i could retire and just have a peaceful older years mm. but apparently i can't not for right now at least yep. she sounds pissed oh yeah i do not blame. i think i think that's where i would be another quote by the first lady that i mentioned she says i know that if he gets out it will only be a matter of weeks or months before he picks up where he left off because he's a sociopath in support of all the victims, the Dallas County District Attorney's Office has asked the parole board to keep him in prison. So they That's did good. get all the response or, you know, whatever responses they could from the victims that they could reach. And you they know, recommended. the consensus was, please keep him in there. Quote, our desire at the District Attorney's Office is that convicted serial rapist Gilbert Escobedo remain in prison for the rest of his life. Quoted by District Attorney Craig Watkins, his violent crime spree left behind countless victims and horrible nightmares that will undoubtedly be relived every time this inmate comes up for parole Hmm. he should serve every single day of his punishment behind bars yep wonderful absolutely into you craig Watkins. that was beautiful um and he that's where he still remains today in the duncan facility in diebel 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 never heard of that town somewhere um yeah whatever duncan facility uh in whereversville texas um, I know that was kind of short-ish. It didn't really mention much about the victims or Gilbert for that matter, but it was difficult to kind of find tons of information. 
There was a book written on about this case strictly on his interviews and the interviews with the victim. So wow. if you want more informa- information, it's called Trespasses, a Portrait of a Serial Rapist, and it is by Howard Swindle. Um, questions and theories. I have a million questions and theories, but instead of voicing those right now, I should probably just go read that fucking book. Um, so the only thing that I wanted to say, and we'll get into Cassie's questions, but I feel like this is very reminiscent to me of the Golden State Killer because of how so many rapists were in the area at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, physical description could never really be truly determined or, you know, seem similar, if at all. Um, how much so much time passed after him being caught, you know, over 40 years isn't the same as five years, but it's still a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Um, the fact that DNA was what got him caught on top of their confessions. And they both started with some form of burglary. You know, I know GSK started with, you know, ransacking or whatever and Mm -hmm. yada, yada. So it made me wonder that if Gilbert could have escalated to murder if he had been given more time. So I I think that's my biggest question. I'm glad that it can't be really answered. Yes. But that was my really only thing. What do you have to say? I I think you're right. I think it definitely would have escalated. I think he would have slipped up in some irreparable manner Mm -hmm. and that would have been his only option or he would have fucked up and a husband would have been home you know like something would have happened i wrote if you i know he wasn't tried for all of them he was just tried to a lesser like whatever like a plea deal a whole whatever but i'm glad he's still in prison just if you commit 30 to 100 rapes parole shouldn't even be an option oh for sure like i'm not i don't sure how i don't get that and what baffles me is because they said they had a gun put to their head. They were right. Green. So, so that's like uh, that's a, you could cross the attempted murder line with that shit. Absolutely. You're threatening someone's life. It's an aggravated assault. With a weapon. Yeah. What the on fuck? On top of rape. So, you know, there's all those legal so processes. Taken after. You know, it's like we don't want to we don't want to put the death penalty on the table because we don't have enough evidence. And so we're afraid to, if we go that far, we're going to lose our chance and blah, blah, exactly. blah, double jeopardy. And so maybe that was the thing that they didn't want to push it that far because they just couldn't confirm everything yeah. and maybe some of the victims didn't want to come forward and so mm-hmm. on and so forth so and in our minds we think this is obvious why wouldn't say you no. do it but yeah it's not always that simple it isn't and that's what's sad because it's just the system works in a specific manner and we have to afford these certain system. rights to exactly because we have to give these certain rights to the worst of the worst the same as we do for the minor offenders so it's like but there's people that are in jail for drug charges, you know, that have parole in 20 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And don't get out. And exactly. I don't want to compare everything to drug charges and da 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 da. But there, there are murderers that are in the same boat. So it's like, wouldn't you, you know, you can compare everything to anything. Well, he just raped some people, so he should be let out. But this guy murdered someone, so don't let him out. Right. And so you can compare and contrast everything. But this is multiple women coming forward. This is almost a decade's worth of time spent on this and, and people getting affected. Fuck off. Yeah. The pro- like there should not have been a parole. The money wasted for a parole hearing should not even been right expended on this guy. We have so much money to just keep people in prison. I think we could afford just one more. Yeah, I think so. I think so. The only other thing, and it's different because he wasn't a murderer. So like the yeah. process versus product killing slash you know maybe put in raping. So, but you have to tie in possible escalation. Right. So it's like would the product have been different? And that's and that's why I'm confused, like not confused, but it's just so interesting because like five years is a long time. Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, you. no, no, it's okay. Five years no. is a long time to just keep on raping. Yes, you think you would have pushed on after that, right? So it's like when he was raping in the daytime, 
was he product raping? Was he just going to stalk them a little more and then he realized they were alone and that's why he capitalized on the daytime? Because a nighttime rape sounds more like a process. That is a planned thing because you will not be seen. You can be okay, stealthy with it. So I think but maybe he, he had stalked both. at night. Oh, you think? To oh. not be seen. But also stalked during the day. Like entered the homes maybe during the day. Right. He, of the women maybe he knew that had jobs. His methods or, are very weird. I don't know. They're, they're very weird mm-hmm. and it's crazy that it took five years. And the police were doing a really good job yeah. with this. And so it's really crazy that he was so careful for five years and he had so many victims. It's just, it's, I'm surprised. it's an interesting psyche. Yeah, one. and I'm really it's it's refreshing to hear that they caught someone without DNA mm-hmm. when it was such a big thing. Yeah, and and they were able to pinpoint and extract a weakness mm-hmm. in him, and maybe they did the research, maybe yeah. whatever, and they, they it worked. All right. Well, I don't have Ugh. any victim like list to mention or anything like that. Possibly, you know, because he could be released on parole and they want to stay anonymous. Mm-hmm. But um, we are very sorry for what happened to all of them and yes. hope that they can each, you know, heal and recover from this horrible string of tragedies. Yeah. I hope this he piece of shit never gets out. I hope they never have to deal with just knowing that he's breathing free air. Yeah. This is where I put, I think this is the only case in which Cassie would say thank you to a minister for helping solve the case because he gave over the license plate number to the cops <laughs> very true i was listening before we end it i thought this was hilarious because i was listening to an older episode and cassie always did the thing of let's name the victim last and it has slowly but surely transitioned into fuck you offender mm-hmm. insert their name so <laughs> i thought that was hilarious so speaking of if you want to say oh uh fuck you gilbert yeah <laughs> Gilbert Escobedo. Escobedo, Beto, Beto, fuck you, micro penis hobbit. You have. Ready? I'm ready. Oh, ready. Okay. Now we will move on to another terrible thing. Um, this is Courtney Clayton's story. Forensic Files. Yes. On September 2nd, 1988, and the small town, 4,000 residents, small, of Stamford. S-T-A-M-F-O-R-D, Stamford, Texas, which is about 40 miles north of Abilene. Um, Abilene. Is it Abilene? Mm. Fuck, I always do that. 40 miles north of Abilene. Okay. Um, Seven-year-old Courtney Lynn Clayton was playing outside her family's home. Um, It was getting hot, so she begged her father, Stan Clayton, to let her walk to the neighborhood convenience store um, just about a block away to buy a soda. She had done this tons of time before. Um, like we said, this was a really small town. Her family knew everyone in the town. Her father worked at the local, um, it was like a sewing factory type thing. I didn't write it down. I just saw an interview about it. Um, but he worked with a lot of people from the town. Mm-hmm. So they knew everybody um, and everyone knew Courtney. So they felt comfortable with them, with her walking to the convenience store. Um, but he Also, her father sent her older brother, Ryan, just like he normally did, to follow her shortly after to walk her back home. Yeah. So some independence. Yeah. But also Mm -hmm. keep an eye. That's good. So she arrives at the store around 7.30 p.m. Her father watched her walk across the street and then walk down to the store. But the store, although very close to the house, was offset kind of around a corner. So you couldn't see it from the Mm -hmm. house at all. So at 7.30, she grabbed a soda and waited in line to pay. 
little Courtney didn't have quite enough money to pay for the soda. She was a few cents off. So the man behind her in line offered to pay for it. But the clerk said that Courtney was good for it. She would pay the rest later and declined the man's offer, saying that Courtney was in here all the time. She knew her family. It was okay. Courtney then exited the store with her soda and waited out front for Ryan. So from what I was able to surmise, she, I don't think it was like, like explicitly told to her that Ryan would be coming mm-hmm. after her. I think it was just an every yeah, occurrence assumed, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like her brother was going to come get her, yeah. take her back home. Maybe it was a little bit more dangerous. She was walking against traffic, like in the neighborhood Later on the way home. Or exactly. Whatever, yeah. Um, I, I saw some blogs that were like weirded out about that. And I'm like, no, that's if oh, you they let think the brother did it. No, no, no. They just oh. thought like, you know, like how would she know to wait? Why was she waiting? It's oh. like, well, if, yeah, if that it's was routine. an agreed upon thing, like it's like you walk your kid to the bus, but you stay a few feet back. You let the kid walk and you follow and, you exactly. know, it's just a routine. Yeah, Fuck it's off. a comfort thing. And yeah. he's he's older. She's seven. He's probably like nine or ten. So Courtney exited the store with her soda, waited out front for Ryan. But by the time Ryan arrived, he found Courtney's soda can on the back bumper of the store owner's pickup truck Uh-oh. and no sign of Courtney. So... Courtney had vanished into thin air. When you think about how long it would have taken her to walk to the store just about a block away and her brother was sent just a few minutes after, it was a very quick return. Snatched. So when Ryan returned home without his little sister, the search for Courtney began. Her mother, Candace, was quoted as saying, I never thought someone would take her. That never entered my mind at first. They checked back alleys. They checked alternate routes. They checked her friends' houses that she might have stopped off to visit at. And Courtney was nowhere to be found. The search was very lengthy and extensive. Um, Everyone in the town, like I said, knew Courtney. And everyone was worried. They were shocked, especially, that something like this could happen and a little girl could just vanish into thin air. The family didn't give up hope, and they continued searching. So the only witness we had to this, other than the store clerk, who last she st- last the store, I'm not sure if the store clerk is a she or he. I'm assuming it's the store owner because the truck was it's out. Probably a male, just based on that 88. Probably. But I don't know. They watched Courtney exit the store, but they didn't see anything after that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other witness was a woman picking up her husband from across the street. Um, at an apartment complex she noticed courtney hanging out outside the store and then she saw a car parked next to the owner's pickup truck with the door open and a man in just about his 20s with a darkish complexion leaning against the side of the convenience store building a composite sketch was created but it was under hypnosis so she remembers seeing this they put her under she gave the uh, she gave the sketch, but it was under hypnosis, and we all know kind of how trustworthy that is, mm-hmm. you know. So she did say that the car had a white interior, and like I said, the man was darker complected. That's not necessarily um, a black guy or a Mexican or anyone of. Yeah, it could have been the time of day with the sun shining on you. You have a shadow. You look a totally different race. They think Maybe it, not, since but... it was September, he was tanned. Yeah, he had tan skin. So this is not. Anyway, like my first thought was this lady was kind of being racist. Racially, yeah. Yeah. Racially profiling and like putting that in her mind. But really, it was just tan yeah. skin. So that was the theory there. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Roll forward six months later, and there's still no break in the case. 
until 13 miles outside of Albany, Texas, hunters stumbled upon a grisly sight. The skeletal remains of little Courtney were found discarded in a remote field 50 miles away from her home of Stanford. And this was found on March 26, 1989. The level of decomposition was too progressed to determine the cause or approximate time of death. You said she was just found in a field? She was just found in a field. She was identified positively using hair on her skull, which matched hair on her little hairbrush. Clothing was also found nearby that is believed to be Courtney's. So the suspect has never been identified, and the case remains unsolved to this day. So in 2016, investigators released a progressed sketch of the suspect in hopes that someone would come forward with new information. Um, and they also raised the reward by $3,000 to 6000 total for information. Um, and this is the Jones County Sheriff's Department. That is the county that Stanford is in. I did not mention that. Courtney's family said that she was sweet, talkative, and friendly. She loved to play with friends, and she, quote, never met a stranger. Mm. So she was just friends with everybody, and she would talk, 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 maybe even to a fault. Mm -hmm. Today, if alive, Courtney would be 37 years old. It's a short case because it is an unsolved murder. It's Her, terrifying. It's terrifying. Her body was discarded. She was, that's what my mom instilled in me, that I could get snatched in a moment, in a second. And so, we don't even know the extent mm -hmm. of, not that anyone wants to know, but you kind of do, Yeah, of what happened to her. I mean, exactly. she could have been strangled, she could have been raped, she could have been stabbed. I mean, you would have seen maybe a, a nick or something on a bone if she was stabbed or That's shot, true. but oh my God. I know. It, it, it's terrifying. And the family still has no, they have closure because, not closure, and we all know closure is never really found, but they have, they have her body, they buried their baby. Yeah. But they have said that they want the man behind bars. And so far that hasn't happened. So questions and theories and a little bit more information. The town on this particular evening was very quiet. Most of the residents were out at a high school football game in Eastland, Texas, 90 miles away. So we all know how important football is in Texas. When I first read 90 miles, I was like, that's kind of weird. But if your team is playing another team and it's like the semifinal, whatever. It's an away game. Exactly. So that is what, and really that is what they had to do in this small town. So um, his store or this person's store was the only one kind of open, maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, or and did someone know this and mm. take this low witness count opportunity as an advantage? Did somebody know the patterns of the town? Right. Know that people would be out and about this game and know that everywhere would be closed, everyone would be gone. Um, I mean, you could drive through town and probably see that as well. No cars on the street, every store is closed, but yep. I think it's more likely that it was a local person. They sure. will. Well, I kind of, I waffle on that mm. a little bit. Her body, um, Courtney's body was found in the general direction you would drive to go to that Eastland high, high school football game. So some people speculate mm -hmm. that it's a person from that town or Abilene, Abilene whatever, um, which is in the same general direction oh. a little further out. Eastland is a little further out, but um, oh, I see, that they I see. came from a different they town. They knew those no. people were going to come to their town. So yes. as a fucked up predator or whatever, they left. I believe that this had to have been an outsider that 
laid low and was kind of passing through. Um, but my question is, did he stalk Courtney? Did yeah. he pinpoint Courtney and know that her walking to the store by herself was a common occurrence? Did he at some points talk to her? She's mm-hmm. a friendly girl. Did he say something to her? Um, was I'm he sure the he man did. behind her in the line that offered to pay? Right, right. I know I it's a different time. Yeah. Kids roamed free a little bit more. But if I see a seven-year-old anywhere, anywhere, yeah. I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm clocking them. I'm paying a little more attention to them because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hyper aware. It might be the generation we grew up in, but I'm hyper aware of something bad could happen to them in an instant and i want to know their face and you know so it's just i well, i'm annoyed with them this... so i'm looking for their parents right right exactly <laughs> so you you've also got yeah. their face but it's crazy to me that this clerk supposedly knows courtney and her family so well and didn't kind of keep a little eye on her while she was outside of the store like yeah especially at, was the clerk question like i'm sure the clerk was Absolutely. questioned but especially finding it on their car did the clerk mention not recognizing this man like yeah. i wrote um, was it the same guy standing outside though exactly you just don't so know. i wrote was it man from inside the store how did the clerk not see were there similar crimes in the area well did they compare what he or whatever said about that description of that man if he was asked right compared to what the woman said of the guy outside and her description the hypnosis uh-huh. lady that's the only yeah, sketch no, we have so i'm we, wondering no of any what role the clerk had not in this crime but right. in the questioning and the investigation how little information they must have given to right. not i mean someone knows something well somebody knows something absolutely. somebody saw something i put to answer my first question when i was like oh i don't know if it was a he or a she that was a store owner but then you were like, well, the woman outside. And I was like, well, there you go. Women are more apt. Just like you That's just said, true. when I see a seven-year-old, that I'm looking. True. Men don't pay attention. Not saying they all don't, but in my mind, it immediately clicked. If it was a female store clerk, store owner, they would have been like, what the fuck is this kid doing in my line? Whether I know her or not, and whether she comes in here every day or not, she's probably more apt to pay attention to what yep. she's doing outside and making sure she's okay. Keep a peripheral right. vision on them. And if this woman across the street saw and noticed a weird guy, weird car, little girl alone... You know, I just don't think that the store clerk owner was a woman just based on that. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a really good observation. And also, I think that you're very much right in thinking that the potential person outside, you know, with the car door open or whatever, was not a local person because you would have known, regardless of race. Right. You would have known who that person was. Exactly. If the only black guy in town, you're gonna be like, oh, yeah, that was Mm so-and-so or whatever. If it was... The only white dude with this type of car and right. this. Yeah, I think. 4,000 people isn't small, but in the large scheme of things, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So. And, and small enough that, like, if this is your neighborhood convenience store, you see mm-hmm. someone outside of it that you've never seen before right. in your life. Like, you might clock that a little bit, which is why she was probably able probably to give a sketch under place. hypnosis. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, she clocked it. I yeah okay so I wrote you know did he know Courtney had he spoken to her previously and maybe groomed her mm-hmm. into being a little more comfortable in his presence maybe he knew he couldn't do it in his own town so he came somewhere else to I, try I feel like he was definitely an outsider and I feel like it's possible that he hadn't bumped into like he was kind of watching Courtney mm-hmm. he picked her and if it was over a couple of days or uh, maybe a couple of months, you know, and he came into town anytime there was a football game right, or something right. like that. 
But I think he was an outsider, and I think it was not a forced kidnapping. Sure. I, I think he did something. She's so little. She's yeah. so fucking little. I think he said something to her, did something to get her at least very close to the car, and something to set her. her soda down. Yeah. And I think that if the guy behind her, I think that's a bit of a red herring to a certain extent. Because right. It's you just part it of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the person at the counter had the description and didn't say anything, whatever. Yeah. But I just don't think that that's the case because clearly the store clerk could, store clerk could identify that person immediately. Right. Maybe if you're standing out the, outside of the store, you don't think anyone's looking. There's no video cameras. No one knew what that was in 88 mm-hmm. or whatever. But to... I think you're right. She, he groomed her. And regardless if she's a very sweet girl and can talk to anyone, who cares? Maybe he was like, hey, you know, they always say, come help me find my dog. Come help me find my puppy. Do you want a piece yep. of candy? Like the age old tale of Absolutely. luring a child into your car. Or, and hey, I know you live right up here. Do you want me to give you a ride? Yep. You know? And she was like, sure. But what made her put her soda down? There was right. something enticing in the vehicle. Exactly. It wasn't just a be like, snatch. Bye. The soda would have been spilled. Mm-hmm. It would have been dropped on the ground. So it was gently yeah. placed, and she had begged to get that soda. So I don't think she was going to put that get down unless easily, somebody. Yeah. yeah. So I agree. I I, I one hundred percent think that it's you know it's the ladies. It's still not a huge fear that there are predators everywhere, and so no, kids absolutely don't not. have it's still not a fear. Dude, are I was kidding? in the bathroom at an H E B the other day, and <laughs> it was so freaking cute. This, I guess it was grandma. She had her two grandkids in the bathroom and one was, uh, he was ready to leave the stall. I guess she had them all in there and she was like, go to the bathroom. And he was like, I'm done. I'm ready to leave. And she goes, no, you can't leave. You need to stay with me. Stranger danger. Remember? And he goes, stranger danger. And I was like, I never fucking heard that term when I was a kid. No. It was very like. It was the eighties and then we got skipped. Yep. But I even wrote on my fucking piece of paper. I wrote. Stranger danger mm-hmm. isn't always a thing. Right. Because she, yeah, he might it have been might a stranger. Not, but he might not have been a stranger. But not have been a stranger to her. Exactly. I think this person, and I read, um, there was a, bl- a blog I want to mention, um, True Crime Diva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten some stuff from that too. Or yeah. I've read stuff on there at least. I really liked yeah. it. I liked the way that she laid out all the facts She's, and then yeah. she gave her opinions yeah. to sprinkling the yeah. man. It was really nice. Um, she even talked about some convicted serial killers and serial oh, child okay. rapists that could possibly be connected, but yeah. no connection has been found. And they've, you know, there I have alibis, blah, blah, blah. But she, I believe it was her that mentioned that this was very likely not this person's first mm. kidnapping and murder. And wasn't their last they had been doing this for a while they have a pattern they have a system probably groom these kids and it's just they can go to those small towns and get away with it and it's really sad i watched a that's horrifying news interview with um her father stan and he oh i'm sure carries all the guilt he's just a shell of a human just fucking i don't know i he didn't sound like a smoker but it was as if his voice was 10 miles away. Mm. Like, it just so fucking sad. And, like, they, they've said that they robbed them of Courtney's graduation. Yeah. Her getting married. Her maybe having babies. Yeah. Like, and it's, she was seven. She didn't get to live past seven. So it's very fucking sad. And police investigators and her family still hold hope. That somebody at some point in time, DNA is not a question, but someone will come forward. Someone knows something. They, 
uh, this is still, I originally got this case. This is on uh, the Texas Rangers top 10 most wanted unsolved oh, wow. crimes. So to this day. Yeah. This small town of Stanford. People want to know what happened to I little Courtney. if there were tire tracks or, you know, or, or know. any type of, we saw this vehicle later. We saw this vehicle going through town or it stopped somewhere else. We saw a little girl and a guy stop for ice cream or anything at all. Like, I you wonder know? how emptied out the town was. But like, also, like. She vanished how was thin air we just said we thought we made a good point there and then i thought about it and i thought well yeah maybe he wasn't a stranger to her but how could he not be a stranger to the store owner or the store clerk as well at the same time unless there was some like weird beside the building action happening where Mm -hmm. they couldn't see each other but you would you know you're not dumb you'd be like get out of here don't loiter or whatever stop talking to this little girl if you stand up for her right now with a creepy guy behind her, why aren't you going to stand up for her outside? But maybe mm-hmm. the brother was there all the time. And so there wasn't, he felt, didn't feel, feel the need to say anything. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? And I'm wondering how, how did he like, get away with being invisible. I'm picturing for the sake of the store clerk, yeah. I'm not picturing plexiglass, uh, floor to ceiling. Mm-hmm. I am picturing like cement walls. Yes. And then a little bit. Up above, yeah, there yeah. are like half windows, so she's little, little bitty. Maybe she exited the store and they could not see her at all. And maybe, like, I'm picturing windows up top, wrapped around the building just a little bit, and then there is a portion of the building that doesn't have windows, or it like goes up a little, and it's just like this weird like decoration thing. You think someone would drive by and be like, "Hey, dude, there's a creepo standing behind your building." You think there'd be something like someone. that's why there's such a if he came there that often for like this. Think. Yeah, like someone knows something. Someone saw something. Uh, ooh, and on the true crime diva mm-hmm. blog, because um, I read a Reddit post about this, and there were a lot of people oh, discussing. Man. Like, I lived in a small town, like. You know, this lines up, this lines up with the small town, like blah, blah, blah. But there's someone on the True Crime Diva blog that said, I know who did it. I know both the guys who did it. One is in prison. One is in jail. No one will listen to me. I can't get anyone to listen to me. So I fucking found her on Facebook and I messaged her. What would she say? Nothing yet. She hasn't even read the message. But, Mm. you know, she could just be a... uh, It was a month ago. Oh, okay. And no one had posted on that or commented in uh more than two years so she was the most recent and i tried to comment on the thing but i had to sign up an account i didn't want to do that so i just like traced her on facebook and it's definitely the same person so i don't know maybe she does know something maybe it's an uncle or a grandfather or a whatever or she could just be some attention-seeking psycho but it's still Someone it's knows worth something. Tracking it down, and if you Absolutely. figure out that she's a dumb bitch, then you do. But Absolutely. There's no harm in seeing it through. Yeah. That's so. But okay, not to keep harping on this, we can end it. But I wonder if the description of the car that the lady gave, although it might be vague, may, did they not take the tip of like, hey, maybe it could have been someone from this Eastland or whatever you said, and did anyone else think? Oh, that matches my neighbor's car or my friend's car or my teacher's car or my whatever. Was it still the time period where there was no fucking, like, communication between precincts and shit? Like, it could be. Well, you said in his 20s, was he a student? I'm not sure if there was a college nearby. That was something. I meant to look up a couple other things about the location, but I didn't want to get too into it. I mean, Abilene has colleges, so, I mean, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I guess we'll never. I hate that there's no DNA. Like, yeah. The one time I wish that someone was raped or whatever. Right. Yeah. You hope. You wish there was something, something. that could have been extracted. But we will post. <sighs> course courtney's picture and we'll post the picture um the original sketch and the progressed sketch yeah. so i don't know if that looks like your uncle or your cousin or your best friend from elementary school's dad or your abilene college professor yeah they're still offering this is it an open case and they are offering money for any tips that lead to something so anything, yeah. poor little courtney that's terrible. very sad and it was very short and very sad but her story needs to be told because she was taken way too Definitely. early, way, way, way before her time. So way, 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 way. <laughs> um, well, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, don't forget about our event June 27th at Market Bar, MKT Bar in Houston. Um, we have now that really the next thing to do, we're getting, uh, custom made pint glasses together through my brewery. We're going to have like awesome signage. Hannah and I are discussing cool sticker and giveaway designs and, you know, it's just find it on Facebook, go to our Facebook page. Hannah will tell you all about that in a second. And that event will be posted. And really the next thing to decide upon is the beers. So we're going to have some great beers, great fun. And. I feel like every week we should probably mention definitely. Golden State Killer. Definitely the thing, but maybe no. even like any tie-ins that we can find to a case that we're covering. Yeah, like, like that's kind of like JJ D'Angelo. Fuck yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, go to our website. I mentioned at the beginning, Texas1031podcast.com, and all of our links to our social media, so you can figure out where the event is. Follow us on those. Find pictures about. Well, actually. You won't find any pictures about mine because everyone sucks. But you will find pictures uh, on Cassie's case with Courtney. What? Yeah. Well, I thought of a thing. Oh. Um, and also, when you are on our social media pages, check out our badass new logo. Yeah. That the Inkling Girl Miss on Morgan. Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook. Yes. All, all the same person. painted that for us and designed it. And it's our new... It's us. It's our faces. Yeah. We very fun. much appreciate her. Yes. We do have a PayPal. I put everything in the show notes uh, every time. Yeah. If so. you want stickers, that will definitely help jumpstart us into getting stickers. And if you donate to the PayPal, we'll throw in some extra cool shit that we haven't even talked about. And I'm yeah. throwing out there right now. True. So, yeah. Cool. But we really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks for rating, reviewing, subscribing. subscribing. All that bullshit. <laughs> and we'll uh, take it to Hannah for our closeout so she doesn't yell at me for stealing her line. No. Oh, my God. I knew you weren't going <laughs> to like, forget that one. Oh, my God. Uh, we'll be back in like 20 minutes with more Texas True Crime. And if anyone's listening, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween.